We are in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, continuing on the chronological life of Jesus. And remember the scene here. This is just a couple of hours before Jesus is going to be arrested and tried and then crucified. This is, uh, uh, this is the, the Thursday night. Thursday night. Uh, and this is at the end of the Passover feast, the last Passover. They've taken the Lord's Supper. He's instituted the Lord's Supper now. And now he goes into this, this dialogue with them where he's teaching them. There, there are about 25 promises in this portion and 13 admonitions. It, it, it extends from chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 in the Gospel according to John. So, last, last time we, we uh, focused in on, on John chapter 14, verse, verses 1 through 4. And now, let's look at, at verse 5. John chapter 14, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, I've been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I have said to you, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Okay, so back up in, in, uh, in, in verse 5. And, and this is very common during the Passover feast. During the Passover feast, it's, it's common that the, 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 the patriarch of the family, the father, the grandfather, will be teaching. And not just that they're teaching, but a di- it's, it's, it's a teaching with dialogue. So people will be asking questions and making comments. And, and uh, this is normal Jewish practice even to this day. So Jesus says, says to him, that he, he said in verse 4, and, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Which is a very logical thing. Generally, somebody tells you where to go, and then you investigate, okay, here's the way. How am I going to get there? They didn't even know where he was going. He said, how do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We're going to focus in on that. But let me just skip down to this portion in verse 7. He says, if you had known me, you would have, if if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and you have seen him. Think about this. Jesus says, you have seen the father. If you have seen me, you have seen the father, Jesus says. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Philip doesn't get it. And he says, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. 
If you just show us the Father, then we're settled, then we'll really believe. There is this common view in human beings that if we see, then we will believe. And the testimony of Scripture is just the opposite. That just seeing doesn't make us believe. It says the disciples saw Him risen from the dead and they didn't believe. So this thought that if I only see, then I'll believe, that's nonsense. What makes you think that if you see, you will believe? We have an amazing way to explain things away. Oh, well, you know, I was really tired that day. I was kind of drowsy. I was probably dreaming. And that's why, why, why what Philip says, you know, just show us the Father, it's enough for us. No, Jesus says, you're looking at Him. He says, He who has seen Me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus said, I've been with you all of this time. How can you say, do you not believe that I am in my Father and the Father is in me? God appeared on this earth. God came to this earth in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He revealed Himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how He revealed Himself to man. You want to see the Father? You've seen Jesus. He says to Philip, you've seen me. I've been with you so long and still you don't recognize me, Philip? God came in the form of a man. It says in Hebrews chapter 1, all the fullness of deity dwells in Him, the Son, bodily. All the fullness of deity dwells in Jesus. All the fullness dwells in Jesus. It says in in Hebrews chapter 1, it says the Father, the Father says this about Jesus. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. God the Father says of the Son, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The Scriptures make it clear that God came to human beings. God came to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this makes entirely good sense. Because if God the Father, in the manifestation of the Father, were to come to us, we would be terrified. So think about this. How would you display yourself to ones that you wanted to speak to them? You would come in the form of a baby. Because everybody loves a baby. Watch what happens when a baby comes in the room. It's like, oh. Nobody feels threatened by a baby. Everybody's heart just softens. So God says, I'll come in the form of a baby. I'll do that. And He came. And He lived among us. You know, you don't feel threatened by the people who you grow up with. They're right around you. You know them. And that's what God did. It is the perfect picture of how one so great could reveal Himself to ones that are way below Him without terrifying them. And that's what He did. He reveals Himself to us. And then He goes on to say, He says that that, uh, I'm not speaking on my own initiative. How, How can you say, show us the Father? He says, I've been with you. Remember, it says that Thomas, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Thomas believed. Thomas believed when he saw him. And Jesus said to him, you see and you believe? Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. We don't need to see with our eyes to believe. Jesus has given us enough. I had a, 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 a wonderful young man come to me last week and he says, you know, I'm just praying for, for an, an Elisha experience. I said, what do you mean? He says, uh, I, I just want to see the, the, uh, you know, the masses of angels 
where 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 Elijah said to him, you know, those where when when Elijah was taken up, and he saw these, he wanted this young man wanted the Elisha experience to be able to see this. I said, you don't need that. You don't need the Elisha experience. Jesus has come. He's given us Himself on the cross. We don't need that Elisha experience. If you think seeing angels in a bunch of chariots is going to make you believe, and yet you don't believe with all that's been revealed, you're you're, you're really mistaken. You'll explain the thing away. It comes by He's revealed enough to us. He has given us all sufficiency. God has done this. Now let's look back up in in this verse, in verse 6 of John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He says, show us the way, Jesus. Show us the way. He says, I am the way. Jesus never pointed us to a way to God. He Himself was the way. He himself, I am the way. You want to come to God? It's through me. I am the way. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Have you ever had this thought? Why am I here? Why, why am I studying this? Why am I doing I mean, what's the purpose of life? You know, what's going on? What's the purpose? I mean, we got the philosophers in the front row here to critique me every week. And, 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 and they, you know, they're just consumed with this question. You know, for four years, they just struggle with this question. You know, why am I here? The Scriptures make it clear to us. The Scriptures make it so clear. Turn with me to Colossians. To, to Colossians uh, chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to start reading from verse 13. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians 1, verse 13 says, For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God rescued us. If you think that you were so good, and you somehow came to God, and God is so lucky to have you. God rescued us. We were in the middle of the ocean. And God reached out and He rescued us. God rescued us from the domain of darkness, and He transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. There is redemption and forgiveness of sins. He redeems us, He saves us, and He forgives our sins. Then he says of the Son in verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In verse 16, For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. It's all about Jesus. Why are we here? Because of God. Because He chose to place us here. It says everything, for by Him everything was created, visible and invisible. Did you know the electromagnetic spectrum we see in the visible region from about 400 nanometers to about 750 nanometers? This is exactly where we see. That's all we can see. This is a little sliver of the entire electromagnetic spectrum. 
which will go all the way from radio, radio waves all the way down to gamma rays, and you have all of this. None of that do we see with our own eyes. Now we have instruments that can detect those, but we don't see that with our own God created it all. All we see is a narrow little sliver. So if you think, that, hey, you know, I, I know what's going on. I'm pretty aware of my world. You have no idea. We only see a tiny little bit. He says everything visible and invisible. You can see down to, I don't know, 50 microns maybe. But then below that you have all the, the nanometer scale, the molecular scale, the atomic scale, the subatomic scale. All of that is invisible. You can't see it, but it is there. Everything He created, from the universe down to the subatomic, everything He created. This is who He is. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the, I am the life. Everything is in Jesus. Why are we here? Because He wanted us here. Why do I look the way I do? I, you know, I wish I were like four or five inches taller. He made me the way I am to optimize my coming to Him. He puts us... Imagine... Imagine if one were to say, I desire that no man perish. No, not one. Well, then if you wouldn't want anyone to perish, wouldn't you put them in the optimal position to see them saved? You say, well, what, what about the person that, you, you know, they didn't grow up in a fine Christian home. Well, you know how many people grow up in fine Christian homes and they themselves are not saved? Right. They just assume they're saved and they're not? He's optimized everything. You know, if I were five inches taller, I'd probably be so proud. You know, something, you know. He's optimized us to come to Him. He knows what we need. Why do I look the way I do? Because I want you to come to me. He's optimized this. He says everything. Why are we here? Why are we here? For Him. And this takes all the pressure off of me. Now I know why I go to school. Now I know why I study. It's for Jesus because He placed me here. Now I know why I go to work day after day to my work. It's for Jesus. And that changes the whole perspective on our work. It's for Jesus. For Jesus I serve. Why do I come here on Sundays and teach this class? Is it because they pay me so much to do this? Cut my salary in half. It's not going to matter doesn't change. I do this because of Him. We serve because of Him. All life takes meaning because of Him. Because God came to us and He demonstrated love toward us. He created us. Everything that's visible and invisible, He created. God did this. God optimized it to draw us to Him. That we would make decisions to say, Yes, Lord, I take You on by faith. This is why I am here. I am here for Him and for His glory. This is why. In verse 17 of Colossians chapter 1, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Remember, this is all the fullness. It's just like in, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 1. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in Him. Everything is about Him. He's the firstborn of all creation. He created everything. And this gives us meaning in life. This causes me to want to go on. 
This is why I'm not confused. Well, why am I here? What am I doing? You know, I get those thoughts for like a nanosecond. Because it's Jesus. Because of Jesus. Duh. Boom. I'm ready to go. Because of Jesus I do this. I serve Him. I serve Him. It's because of Jesus. Everything. In, in Verse 20. And through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of the cross, through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Everything, everything is because of Him. Now look in verse, in verse 21. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. So he says that we were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. If you don't know the Lord, that is the definition of your life. You may think you're pretty good, but you're not. Compared to God, you're engaged in evil deeds, hostile in mind. What he's done is he's made a way for you to come. Come to Jesus. He says he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death. He died for us. And then, and it, and it says, in order to present you before Him holy and blameless, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. So he says, this is going to be on you, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast. This doesn't mean that you're going to lose your salvation if you've already come to Him. But if you stray from this faith, you can very much stray from the place where you are with Christ and start doing evil deeds again. It only takes a few seconds. We must continue firm in our faith. Verse 23, if indeed we continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast. This is why we continue to meditate. This is why we continue to seek the Lord. Because we can so quickly start drifting away from Him and going back into what it says in verse 21, 21, being hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. And I can see it, and I have seen it, and I am seeing it now. I mean, I'm not looking at you and seeing it, but I know people that are dealing with this now who know the Lord, but are not walking closely with Him. And what happens? I can see it just by the way they start speaking. They start speaking cynically. Everything is evil in life. Everything is bad. Oh, you know, this is bad. This person's bad. This person's bad. Well, you need to spend some time in the Word and get your perspective changed. Spend some time with Jesus and get your perspective changed. He says, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, you're not going to lose your salvation, but, you'll, but there will be no substantive change in your life. Nothing will be different in your life if you don't st- keep steadfast and firmly established in the faith. You, s- you start going without reading your Bible for a week and you'll start to really feel it and people around you will sense it too because there's just utter ugliness in us that starts coming out. And then he says, he says uh, at, at the end of verse 23, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now, here's what Paul says in verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share 
on behalf of His body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Wow. He said, I rejoice in my sufferings. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In Him, life makes sense. In Him, I can endure my suffering. In Him, we endure pain. So much so that Paul says, I rejoice in it. How can this be? How can the believer rejoice in their sufferings? I was speaking to a woman just this morning who can't walk anymore. She knows the Lord and she says, I just can't walk anymore. And, and I, I'm not going to dwell there. I, she said, I still have my mind and I can still read. I mean, and, and it changes your perspective. When Jesus, it's all about Him and not about me, then life makes sense. Why am I here? I am here because of Jesus. That's why I am here. I am here because of Him. He says that, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of His body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Jesus said that you will do greater works than these, meaning the number of works that you are going to do collectively as the body of Christ is greater than the number of works that Jesus did. None of us are going to do greater works in substance unless any of you plan on dying on the cross for the sins of the world. Here he says that there is something lacking in Christ's afflictions and you guys are going to fulfill it. You're going to fulfill it. Then suffering makes sense. Without that, you're clueless. Everything makes sense in Jesus because He is the way. He is truth. What is truth? It is in Jesus. He is life. Life itself is in Jesus. Without Him, there is no life. You look at the life of an unbeliever and sometimes I look at them and I'm like, Lord, I'm so glad that I'm not an unbeliever. So glad I'm not an unbeliever. I never, ever want to go back. Once you've tasted of the goodness of the Lord, I never would want to go back to the life of being an unbeliever. Come to Jesus. Give your heart to Him. In Him is life. Without Him, you're missing out on life. Life itself is embodied in Jesus. And then he says, of verse 25, Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your behalf. Look what Paul does. He says, it's because Jesus called me to be an apostle, that's why I'm an apostle. It's because Jesus called me to be a chemistry professor, that I'm a chemistry professor, and it all makes sense for me now. Now I know why I go to work, because this is what he's called me to do. Now you know why you're studying. Now you know why you're... Because He's called you to this. Do it. And then life takes on a new perspective. This is why we do it. Because of Him. Because He calls us to different things in our lives. And there'll be different phases in, 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 in life. And He calls us into parenthood. He calls us into doing certain things. Why am I doing this? Sometimes young mothers get so confused. What am I doing? And they get all depressed and everything. You've heard of postpartum depression. I mean, women get, get... Because of Jesus. Because of Him. Because He has called you. Caused you and called you to bear children. You do it for Him. And in that there is life. In that there is meaning. In Him is truth. Then he says... He, he says... Um, so that I may fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God... 
That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifest to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is a richness that was a mystery in the Old Testament, and that's that he was going to take the Gentiles, the Jews, and all of them who believe on him, and boom, fill them with his Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit of God with you in you when you believe upon Him. He fills you with His Spirit. His Spirit dwells within you. And His Spirit speaks to us and tells us this is the way, walk ye in it. And in that way there is life. In that way there is meaning to life. In that way there is truth. In Him, it all has meaning. And His Spirit is there. The world has nothing that I want. I look at the unbeliever, there's nothing in them that I want. You know what I love to look at? I love to look at deep men and women of faith. And I look at them and think, boy, I'd love to have your walk. Boy, I'd love to know Jesus like you know Him. I'd love to be able to pray like you pray. That's what I want. I want more of Jesus. Life takes on greater and greater meaning when we know Him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said that. Oh, Jesus, why are you so dogmatic? I mean, there are many ways to God. I mean, tear that page out of your Bible if you don't like it. Jesus said it. He said, there's no way to the Father but through me. This is why we speak that word. Because Jesus himself said it. He is so sweet and so good. You know Him, then you understand life. You know Him, then you understand what truth is. You understand this. And Jesus is the way. He Himself is the way. If you don't know Him, I ask you, open up your heart to Him this day. Don't go another day without Him. Don't do this. And if you've been slipping back, not standing firm in the faith, this day, this day as we pray, ask God to forgive you. And say, Lord, bring me back. I don't know how you can stay close to the Lord without being in His Word. And if you say, well, the Holy Spirit just talks to me as I go through the day, that is great. But we have very fickle minds, and my own mind can talk to me too. Just around the corner there is a parking space. It was my own mind, because there's no parking space. Had it been the Spirit, there would have been a parking space. Our own minds can fill us with all sorts of ideas. And this is why... This is why the Scriptures are needed. To give us a base. To give us something to keep us on this proper path. Meditation daily upon the Scriptures. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank You so much for Your mercies and Your grace. Thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You that You came in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the way. You are truth itself and you are our life. Abba, I pray for these young people, those here who know you, that they would take hold of this, that they would understand the meaning of life in understanding Jesus. Because of Him we live and for Him we serve. Father, I pray that you would sharpen them up, that they would take hold of this, that they would understand that in Jesus is embodied life itself. 
And Father, I pray that those who may be wandering, those who may be slipping back into the the mindset of the world, Father, I pray that this very day they would pray these words, Lord Jesus, forgive me because I have drifted from You. Forgive me and wash me clean by the blood of Your Son who gave Himself for me. Draw me back into Your Word. Let me remain ever in Your presence, O Lord. And Father, I pray here for those that don't know You. Father, touch their hearts now. Open their hearts to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you want to receive Him this day, pray with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner. Forgive me. Wash me by the blood of Jesus. I proclaim that Jesus is Lord and I believe that He's risen from the dead. Father, I pray that You draw the unbeliever. Draw them to Your Son for the glory of my Lord, for the glory of Jesus, for it is all about Him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.